You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. We want to welcome our downtown campus, our Cypress campus, and of course our Loop campus and our digital family. Our Siena campus has our new minister of campus development, Matthew Savage, preaching live. So Siena, in days to come, when you're watching this, we want to welcome you as well. And so grateful for each one of you. And as Clark said, I know we have many guests with us here, and maybe you're in town to come visit family. We want this to be like home for you. And we're just so thankful that you've come to worship with us. This is our sunrise service. This is our 915 service. This is our early service. These are for those who are highly committed to the Lord to get to the house of worship early. So we want to thank everyone who's joining us today. And we're going to have a great time together. As you know, last week, Pastor Greg wrapped up our series uh, of the midpoint of Kainos called Renew. And we had a big, big service last uh, week, an incredible experience in all of our venues, all of our campuses, multiple services, as we had our midpoint Kainos commitment service. And in all of our campuses, we had an invitation for our members and guests who were making a commitment to come forward and to bring their commitment card to the receptacles that were in each worship venue. And maybe you weren't with us last Sunday. Maybe for you, that was your holiday weekend and now you're back. We want to give you that opportunity to participate in this midpoint Kainos commitment. There's a commitment card right in front of you, the seat back in front of you. Also, we have stacks of commitment cards here at the stage at each campus. We have commitment cards available. And what I'll do when I give the invitation, I'm going to invite people to come to Christ. I'm going to invite people to surrender their lives to the Lordship of Christ so that they can experience his fullness. And I'm also going to invite you, if you have not filled out your commitment card during the invitation, when I give the altar call to come forward, I want you to come forward and you literally can come to either side of the stage at each campus and you can fill out your commitment card and then place it in the bin. And we want to just let God have his way in our lives. Now, there are three levels of commitment. Did you know that since last October, we've had 1,252 members join Houston's First Baptist? Can we give the Lord a big hand for that? Incredible. So we want to invite you to join us in this final year of Kainos, and we're going to sprint to the finish so you can make a commitment. Maybe you've already made your commitment when we had Commitment Sunday a year ago, and we want you to finish strong. Maybe that's the box you check. Or maybe you say, you know what, God's blessed us this year, and we want to step up our commitment. That is the other option for you as well. So we have cards available. And then for those who say, I want to go digital uh, you can simply go digital by texting Kynos to 44322 and just select that link and you can make your digital commitment or you can go online to Houston's first slash Kynos. We have so many ways for you to get connected and to join in what God is doing in and through Houston's First Baptist Church. Now, as Pastor Greg has said so well so many times, we're not giving to the church, say it with me, we're giving through the church to accomplish all that God wants to accomplish. So what I want to ask you to do, just lean forward where you are. I want us to pray over these commitment cards and those that will be turned in today at all of our campuses and pray for those that were already turned in. Would you join me? Father, we just bow before you this morning and it's such an honor, Lord, to be able to come before you and to acknowledge your presence in worship, to express our gratitude to you for all that you have done 
And Lord, we thank you for the miracle of kainos, all that you've already accomplished in and through us. Lord, as we have given sacrificially to add value to your kingdom. And Father, I pray for all those who are making commitments today, Lord, that your hand of blessing would be upon them. Lord, that you'll show them exactly what level you want them to commit to. And knowing, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, and you are faithful that we can entrust our lives to your care. I thank you that, Lord, there will be more people in heaven because of our faith and obedience to you on earth. And I pray that when we stand before you one day and give an account for our lives, you'll be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We pray this in Jesus' name, the name that's above every name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I want to invite you to join me in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to look at an in a wonderful experience that Jesus had in John chapter 5, and we're going to learn about his experience with our Heavenly Father. What does it mean to experience God? We're going to be in John chapter 5. Whenever Tanya and I were newlyweds, we moved to the New Orleans area so that I could go to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and I became the pastor at First Baptist Folsom, just north of New Orleans, north of Mandible, north of Covington, and it's not where Folsom Prison is. But First Baptist Folsom and Tanya was a special ed teacher at Folsom Elementary. We live like just a half a block around the corner from the church and our parsonage, that means the house owned by the church. And we just had an incredible experience there. And our first year there, we brought together our six deacons and their wives and we were introduced to the Experiencing God workbook. And we went through the Experiencing God workbook together. And it was the most transforming experience I've ever had outside of my salvation. It was such an incredible journey of learning how to experience God. And I want to unfold that as we look at God's word together. What does it mean to have this Experiencing God journey? This experiencing God journey. You've heard Pastor Greg talked about when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified. It's just if I'd never sinned. And then God leads you through sanctification where you're working out what God has worked in, that spiritual growth and development. And then of course, ultimately, we will experience glorification. Can I have a shout of amen? Now, you know, that's when you trade in that old Volkswagen for a Lamborghini, this old body that you've been taken care of and trying to keep from aging, you're going to be able to trade it in for a glorified body. And aren't you excited about that? But right now, we're in this sanctification process, learning to walk with God, learning to discern the voice of God, learning how to mute the voice of the enemy and to amplify the voice of truth. So what we're going to look at this morning are three realities of experiencing God. There are seven, but I want to walk through three of those. And we're going to be in John chapter 5. Let me go ahead and give you reality number one so that you can write it in your notes. Reality number one, God is always at work around you. And I want you to let that settle into your spirit. God is always at work around you. Downtown, God is always at work around you. Cyprus, God is always at work around you. When you woke up this morning, God was already at work. In fact, I've heard this phrase many times. While you were sleeping, God was working. God is always at work around you. Now in John chapter 5, 
This is right after Jesus had healed the paralyzed man and said, ask him, do you want to be healed? And he said, yes. And he said, take up your mat and walk. And he took up his mat and he walked in full view of all of them. And then the religious leaders come to confront Jesus because he happened to heal this man on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders were so steeped in legalism, they bypassed relationship with God and they missed out on the activity of God and they actually criticized the activity of God. Look at John 5, 19. Jesus replied to them, truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. I would underline that. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him either, even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So Jesus understands that God is always at work. And Jesus is looking to see where God is at work so that he can join him in his activity. So what I want to ask this morning is, are you able to discern the activity of God? So many of us grew up with a smaller television that maybe was just black and white picture. You remember the little rabbit ears that you had to adjust? You get somebody to go adjust it and they would adjust You go right there. Perfect. And when they let go, what would happen? It'd get fuzzy again. And you say, no, stay up, no, do it again. And then you would wrap it with aluminum foil to make it high definition. Those are amazing days. So often in our spiritual journey with God, we walk around with those rabbit ears and we're not really tuned in to the activity of God. What I want to do in our time together is let's replace those rabbit ears that need aluminum foil and let's put in a big satellite dish that takes in the activity of God, and we become sensitive to it. Let me give you a couple action steps for this, how to detect God's activity. First of all, ask God to heighten your sensitivity to his activity. Ask God to heighten your sensitivity to his activity. Those who are joining us from Cyprus, have you ever had an experience where uh, you began to go car shopping? And let's say you were looking for a white Yukon. And you haven't seen any white Yukons on the road. They don't exist, but that's the one you want. So you go shopping, you test drive it, and then you decide to purchase it. And you're so excited, it has that new car smell, and your car notes more than your house note. <laughs> but you love the new car smell. And then as you're driving away and you get back on I-10, you notice there are white Yukons everywhere. They're at Starbucks, they're at the mall, they're on the interstate, they're even on the feeder roads, they're even at HEB doing laps looking for a parking place. Now let me ask you a question. Did everybody go buy a white Yukon on that day or did your sensitivity to white Yukons get heightened because of your interest? Here's what you'll discover. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever gets your attention gets you. So here's our prayer. Father, sensitize my eyes to your activity. And that'd be our prayer every morning as we awaken before God, sensitize my eyes to your activity today. Here's another step. Orient your life around God's activity. 
That's what Jesus did. Orient your life around God's activity. So often we start our day with ourselves. It's about us. It's about what we want to do. And what God's word is teaching us in this experiencing God journey is we wake up to orient our lives around God's agenda. Did you know that God has a purpose and plan for your life? Did you know that on November 15th, our globe, our earth, reached 8 billion people on the planet? And did you know that out of 8 billion people, God knows right where you are right now. He knows how many times your heart will beat in the next 32 seconds, how many times you will breathe in the next 27 minutes. He knows right where you are and God has an agenda, a mission for you. Orient your life around God's activity. I love John 4, 34, if you'll write that down, where Jesus said, my food, my ambition is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. You remember when Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter and there was a crowd just crushing in around him and he stopped and asked, who touched me? And the disciples were like, but Lord, what do you mean who touched you? There, there's people everywhere. He said, I felt power go out from me. And then the woman with the issue of blood came forward and acknowledged her need and Jesus healed her and made her whole. Now, some would look at that scenario and say, but Jesus was interrupted. He was on his way to do a good thing. He was joining God in his activity, but he was interrupted on his way. Can I make an announcement? Most ministry moments in our lives are when we're on our way. It's in the margins of life. It's when you see your life being interrupted. Maybe you're interrupted right now by a certain sickness. Maybe you're being interrupted by a financial crisis in your life. Maybe you've been interrupted by a family tension in the family tree. And I want to say to you this morning, God can turn that interruption into an opportunity to let you experience his grace and his goodness at a whole new level. And you think about it. When your life gets interrupted, God brings you into proximity of people that normally you wouldn't see. The question is, will they see Jesus in you in the midst of that interruption? Turn interruptions into opportunities as you orient your life around God's activity. Well, let's look at reality number two. Reality number two. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real, and personal. Don't you love that about God? Downtown, I'm so thankful that God pursues us personally, that God wants us to have an authentic love relationship with him that is real and personal. And I'm not talking about religion. Religion is like getting the flu shot. It gives you just enough to keep you from getting the real thing. We're talking about an authentic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter three, you'll remember that God created man, male and female created them in his own image. And God placed them in paradise. And there the enemy came, the serpent, to tempt them, to doubt God's word, to doubt God's best. 
They partook of the fruit and then their eyes were open. They are now in their fallen state. And the Bible says in Genesis 3, 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. They were so used to having fellowship with God, that personal, intimate love relationship with God. The Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, why did they hide? Shame, guilt, sin. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? Let me ask you a question. Did God not know where Adam was? Of course God knew where he was. God wanted Adam to self-identify where he was. That's called confession. To say the same thing to God about your sin that God says about it. And then we see how God responds to their distance. Here's your quote. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. Now, why is that? Because everything in your life flows out of your love relationship with God. Your love relationship with God is not a spoke on the wheel. It is the hub. Everything in your life flows out of that love relationship. And here's a phrase I want you to write down. Here's what gets me on shouting ground. Even on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, when I'm still recovering, when I'm wearing a vest to cover up the blessed expansion that I've experienced over the last three days. Here's the phrase I want you to write down. God took the initiative. Your salvation was not your idea. You didn't chase after God. God has chased after you. God has pursued you and God has invited you into a love relationship that is real, that is authentic, and that is personal. We notice in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. Why did it take an animal to be sacrificed? We go over to Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And it is a foreshadowing of the coming Christ, that Jesus Christ would be the one who would bear the sins of the world on the cross. He would take our place that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for him so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We see that in Genesis 3, 21. And then notice, to be loved by God is the highest relationship the highest achievement, and the highest position in life. Let me give you a wonderful phrase that will connect with you. God made love a verb. God made love a verb. Would you quote it with me? Now, I'm going to read it from the CSB because I grew up on the KJV, then preached the NIV 84 edition for 20 years and then went to ESV, and now I'm in CSB. So when I quote scripture, oh me, oh me. <laughs> you discern the translation, but I'll read it. For God so loved, read it with me. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever known a love like that? 
Here's reality number three. God invites you to become involved with him in his work. So not only does God take the initiative to build this love relationship with you, he then invites you to join him in his activity so that you can join him in his work. Here's the way I like to say it. God includes you in his redemptive story and then God includes you in his redemptive activity. So you're invited into his story and then included in his redemptive activity. In other words, God saves you so that you can join him in saving others. God reconciles you so that you can join him in reconciling others. In Genesis 12, one through four, you'll remember this story. The Lord said to Abram, now Abram becomes Abraham, but in this text, the Lord said to Abram, go from your land your relatives in your father's house to the land that I will show you. And maybe that's the season you're in. Maybe right now you're praying and asking God, God, what is next? Maybe for you, you're in transition. You're waiting upon God to show you your next steps. You need to hear from God. Notice, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now notice digital family. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, wait a minute. Abram and Sarah were childless. He was up in age, 75 at this time. She was barren. But notice verse four. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He was in the senior adult ministry and he was willing to leave and go to a land God would show him. Here's the point. God always develops your character to match the assignment. Our family had the privilege of going to Louisiana to see our family and Austin and Katie were in Los Angeles. He's with the Rams, so we were in Louisiana. LA, they were in L.A. celebrating Thanksgiving. And we went to Louisiana, and Tanya's sister makes heavenly baptized bread pudding. It is fantastic. And though we had an incredible Thanksgiving meal with everything you could imagine, about 27 family members in the house, all I was thinking about was bread pudding. You know, normally it's bluebell, but it was bread pudding on Thanksgiving Day. And I want you to know, it was everything I dreamed it would be until about 30 minutes later. And I just started hurting and I said, I'll never eat bread pudding again. Ugh. And then two hours later, <laughs> went back in the kitchen and guess what I did? Got another helping of the bread pudding. And then the family was so sweet because they, they fixed me a little to-go thingy. So in case later that evening, I wanted some more bread pudding. Can you imagine me eating three helpings of bread pudding in one day? Yes. <laughs> I'm committed to personal growth and development. And then riding the wave of that sugar high last night, we're watching LSU and A&M. And football. 
Now, I pastored in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for seven years, had season tickets to LSU football, would carry Tori and Austin on my shoulders many, many times, and as our family would go to the game to watch LSU Tigers in Death Valley on Saturday nights. And I get up the next morning and preach three services, and I don't know how we did it. But it was an incredible experience. See, God moved us to Houston 15 years ago so that I could become the executive pastor at Champion Force Baptist Church. Then 17 months ago, God allowed me to become executive pastor here at Houston's First Baptist. And we're so blessed to be here. But as we're watching A&M last night, like I'm all in because so many of our members are A&M Aggies, and then so many are Baylor, and then you have Texas fans, and then you, a whole list of colleges and universities. So as I'm watching AM, I'm celebrating when they're making it really well. They're going down the field, they're advancing, they make a touchdown. I celebrate with AM, but I'm thinking LSU is number five in the nation. AM has had quite a season of adversity. I don't know that tonight's going to be their night, but I'm going to cheer for both. And then, of course, the Tigers you know, made their touchdown. It just back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden the, the game got upside down and A&M just started dominating and dominating and dominating. And I'm like, what? How? How? And just watching, it was an incredible game. It's recorded if you want to come to our house and watch it again. Uh, it's an incredible game. So we stayed up, watched it. And then A&M won 38-23 and defeated the number five team in the nation. Here's my favorite part. They interviewed Jimbo Fisher, who's been between a rock and a hard place for several Saturdays now. And here's what he says. This adversity has revealed our character. Now, let me say something about character. God is more concerned about building your character to be more like Christ than he is about what you're going to do for Christ. God is serious about developing our character to match the assignment. And then notice God allows you to join him so that, to know him so that you can join him. Now downtown, think about that. God allows you to know him personally, intimately, Cyprus, so that you can now join him. So digital family, God's building this amazing love relationship to you, invites you into his story, so now you can join him in his redemptive activity. And he gives you a new jersey to wear, the Jesus jersey, and a new name to bear, the name of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, welcome to the family of God and welcome to the team that is led by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When I, we were going through experiencing God, here's what it did for me. It was like going to watch Jaws 3 in 3D, my first 3D movie, without the glasses. Now imagine going to a 3D movie without the 3D glasses. It's just confusing. It doesn't have the effect. You see all the people in the theater reaching out, trying to grab what's coming at them, or they're doing this because Jaws came off of the screen into your row. But if you don't have the glasses on, you're not experiencing the fullness. 
And what the Experiencing God journey has done for me, it's like putting on the 3D glasses and fully embracing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and realizing that God is pursuing a love relationship with me that is real and authentic. And God then not only adopts me into his family, but then he involves me in his work. And here's a revolution I experienced as a pastor. And I pastored my first church the Sunday after I graduated from high school. Here's what God showed me. I was so ambitious and wanted to do great things for God. Then as I went through the Experiencing God study, God did a work in my life where I realized it's not about what I'm going to do for God. It's about what God wants to do in me so that he can accomplish his work through me. Do you see why character is a non-negotiable with God? In James 2, 23 the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called, say it with me, God's friend, a friend of God. Here's a life point I want you to write down. It's actually reality number seven. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. Some of you right now are asking God to show you next step. God, what's next? What's next? God, I want to know your will so that I can do your will and your heart is pure. You really want to know the will of God. And the question is this. Have you obeyed what God has already revealed to you? You see, delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. God, first of all, calls you to himself in salvation. That you become a child of God. You're not going to get to heaven on your good works. The Bible says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the first call of obedience is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to make Jesus Lord of all in your life. Make him your boss, your CEO. Make him your number one. Surrender your life to him and be saved. That's your first step of obedience. Then as you know the Lord, you walk out your faith day by day as you submit to his lordship and leadership. As you join God in his activity and pray, Lord, sensitize my eyes to your activity today. And then you join him in what he's doing. What does that look like? Joseph, I know God by experience. Whether you are in a pit or in the palace, the Lord will be with you. He can take what the enemy intended to harm you and convert it into something good to accomplish his will. Moses, I know God by experience. He can make a bush burn. He can harden the softest heart and he can soften the hardest heart. He can part the Red Sea. Maybe for you right now, there's a Red Sea in front of you and you're wondering, can God part this sea? He can part the Red Sea. He can cause water to come from a rock. He can deliver you from oppression and cause manna to fall from heaven. Elijah, I know God by experience. He can send down fire from heaven or turn up the volume in your life through a gentle whisper. 
Esther. I know God by experience. He can turn an interruption into an opportunity to reveal his glory for such a time as this. Ruth, I know God by experience. He can make beauty out of ashes and be your kinsman redeemer. Daniel, I know God by experience. He can shut the mouths of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know God by experience. Whether you're going into a fire, already in a fire, are coming out of a fire. Do not bend, do not bow, do not budge, and you will not burn. Peter, I know God by experience. He will enable you to walk on water. He will forgive you when you fail him, and he can speak through you to bring salvation to the lost. The woman caught in the act of adultery, I know God by experience. When you've made poor choices, he will extend his mercy and grace to you and give you another chance to live a life of obedience. Lazarus, I know God by experience, where Satan puts a period. God puts a comma. God always has a final say. Even after four days of darkness, he will call your name and call you out of your tomb of temptation, out of your tomb of tribulation, and out of your tomb of tragedy. The question is, Do you know God? Have you come to know God by experience? As Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. As Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. As Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our victory banner. As Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. In just a moment, we're gonna sing, I surrender all. And I wanna take you to Louisiana College. Now, Louisiana Christian University. I had just graduated from high school, Bolton High School, 1987. And before I even entered college, they invited me to go with the BSU, the Baptist Student Union, to Washington, D.C. on their mission trip. And I would be preaching every day revivals throughout the greater D.C. area. So here I'm entering, having really become a freshman yet in college, I'm on this bus with all these freshmen, sophomores, juniors and seniors, these amazing people of God. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed, like, God, are you sure you can use me? And I took out my Walkman, had a little cassette tape and put it in. And you remember those little headphones you put on, you plug into the Walkman and I hit play. And it was Denise Williams singing I surrender all. And that's been my theme song now for 35 years of ministry. I surrender all. God is not impressed with your ability. You know what God blesses? Your availability. Are you available for God's use? So Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would have your way in us and through us. I pray for those, Lord, who you're calling to salvation, drawing them to yourself, convicting them of sin, convincing them of lostness. And Lord, that you would deliver them from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light as they confess Jesus as Lord of their lives, turning from their sin, trusting in you alone for salvation. Lord, have your way. And those who, Lord, just simply want to surrender their lives for your use and make themselves available for your use for your kingdom purposes to be realized in them and through them. And God, we know that you're gonna develop our character to match the assignment. You're gonna have us on the potter's will, molding us and shaping us. God, have your way. 
And then for those who are going to make their midpoint kainos commitments now, God, that you would just speak to them and affirm your generosity in them and through them. And Lord, show them that you are faithful, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Lord, we're going to surrender our all to you. Have your way in us and through us. And we'll be better because of our time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.